0: Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Part of the Gaps, a very special episode of Part of the Gaps, which is, of course, the podcast which likes to plug the gaps between the church and the culture. I'm Aaron Edwards, and I'm joined, as ever, by Andy Bannister. But where are we today, Andy?
1: Well, this is a very exciting episode. We have done, we're doing an outside broadcast. We are. Uh, We have done outside broadcasts in the car. Uh, We have done outside episodes in, uh, in car parks. And we have done some from that festival thing last summer that we're in a tent, indeed, in a tent. But we're in a pub.
0: Yeah. So a we've pub. never really been outside, properly speaking. No, we've it feels outside. like the big wide world, actually. That's true. Yeah. It's a bit scary. So, but we're honestly, in a pub. And coming here, was we were joking, it's almost like a pub crawl, but we're in a it, it was, because
1: we, um, my, uh, uh, my, my family is visiting Aaron's family, and uh, we thought we'd record this episode uh, in the pub, partly because the house is a bit full of small children. Um, there's black ice out there, so I don't <laughs> know how. I don't, Aaron. I don't know how quite how you got down your road. It's quite impressive. I, I sort of couldn't. My shoes are quite slippy, so I actually sat on my backside and just scooted. That lost. was that was
0: quite. An interesting... So that was actually
1: a pub crawl to the pub.
0: Yeah, if I had a decent enough camera phone, I could have taken a. A and great, for, for great video yeah. for patron subscribers to yeah. see how they
1: manage scoot around the hill. And for I realise we're an international audience for this podcast for our Southern Baptist listeners in the states. A pub is a is another English word for coffee shop.
0: That's true. That's right. Yeah.
1: And we're enjoying um, a fruit juice. To
0: see a you. glass of apple fruit juice. Yes. Exactly. Fermented apples. Mainly apples. Mainly apples. Fermented with <laughs> ethanol in it or something. <clears throat> or something. Yeah. Something. Uh, something but like no, that. That's nice. These are quite nice glasses actually, aren't they? Yeah, They're oh, kind yeah. of bell curvy. They
1: you know. yeah, are so we are in the uh, the moon in Stony Middleton. I would invite readers to join us. Apart from the fact, by the time you get here, we won't be here. Although Aaron does live around the corner, so yes. your challenge could be to find this pub and then figure out where he lives That's and knock right. on his
0: door. That's right, and maybe the the yeah the, the the kind of pathway in the ice that was left by the by the the bottom cheeks of Andy Bannister will still be there. And one day people will take the Andy Bannister trail. It'll be, be a blue plaque. yeah, I I actually scooted down the ice where Andy once went. That's yes. how... And oh. a
1: part of the gaps, we like to scooch down certain hills and climb up other ones, don't we? That's true. But we, that's as true. we were recording this, it is... Um, what is it? It's a week to go to the big day. It is. Uh, we don't mean the World Cup final. Well, that's tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but we do mean Christmas. That's right. So we thought
0: we'd do a Christmas-themed... That's right. ...episode. For people to think ahead for their uh, Christmas season preparations and all the rest of it. Yeah, we, did, we thought we'd call this episode... Who Owns Christmas? Who Owns Christmas? because it's something that happens every year. We were saying it's almost like a kind of debate that people only care about for a couple of weeks and then they forget about it and then it comes back. So you sort of add to this kind of long body of literature or body of debate that then just immediately ceases after Christmas is finished. So in the build-up for about a month, you get this whole thing about how Christian, is Christmas allowed to be? Uh, Should Christians be annoyed about Christmas being kind of taken over by paganism or by secularism, commercialism? Um, and how much should we be fighting for this? Should we not really care about it because we should be nice and Christian and this kind of thing? So um, yeah, what you, do you know, What do kick us off firstly? Yeah, that's, that's, yes, that's first where game. we get. That's we're going to. But Christmas traditions are part of why people care about Christ- Christmas. They are. So aren't they? They, they preserve them and they come every year, and you associate things with Christmas, which is why people have an emotional attachment, nostalgic attachment. So, what kind of Christmas traditions did you have yes. growing up, and which ones do you have now? And then Ooh, I'll tell you some. Of
1: this why. is very interesting, and. Um, I was just slightly distracted by the fact we were in the pub and there's background noise and they were just playing a lovely, a lovely carol.
0: So you what you're, is that you saying you weren't listening to anything that I just Nothing that you said. There. So
1: Christmas traditions. Well, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? One of the things that interests me, and I'll answer your direct question in a moment, is also the way that Christmas traditions are... There's this way that you carry on the ones from your childhood, to some extent, or certainly we do. Things yeah. that remind me of what Christmas was like as a kid, and same for my wife. And then you invent your new ones as mm-hmm. well. So Christmas really is quite interesting in that respect so I'd say in our house we have a few traditions that I really value the first is that my, my wife is part Swedish so in Sweden Christmas Eve is a big thing yes so like if, in Germany isn't it yeah, yeah so there'll be a big meal on Christmas okay. Eve so this this year we're hoping to do that with her with her side of the family who live near us so that's the traditional sort of foods that you would have you don't mm-hmm. do the presents or anything but you have a big sort of meal and uh, and that takes a bit of the pressure off Christmas Day um, so we look forward to that. That's nice. There's certainly Swedish foods I like. Um, there are more more things than meatballs. Yes, uh, really cool. available a the ham. There's a lovely ham that we they do every Can year. Can I just
0: challenge out. the logic though of no, taking the pressure off Christmas Day by putting the pressure on Christmas Eve? Doesn't make any actual difference. So
1: there's that. We also have small children in the house, so so. Uh, there's a lot of excitement, and that begins for us. We do the whole stockings on Christmas morning thing. So my wife, right. is, it's a big thing. She puts a lot yeah. of effort into everyone <clears throat> gets stocking hung up at the fireplace, and uh, and then Christmas morning we open those together. And uh, and then the thing we've inherited from my my family, which drives my kids mad. But I was like, I had to live with it. So you can, which is you, the whole you get you get allowed to open your stocking presents and maybe one other little present before mm-hmm. church on Christmas morning. And then the rest, you have to wait till after Christmas oh, yeah. dinner. Oh, okay, and okay. I always say to my kids, actually, I say they're blessed because when I was a kid, we had to wait till after Christmas dinner yeah, yeah. and after the Queen's speech. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I remember sitting there as a kid going, oh, for goodness sake, is she finished?
0: Yeah. Because yeah. this
1: year, it's going to be the King's speech, which will
0: be Very exciting.
1: So yes, there we go. So we have the food thing and the, and the kind of stocking Kind of thing, wow. yeah. And the other, the other thing I love, the other tradition more generally, I love. I lo- absolutely love carols, and so I love. I yeah. love a really good carols by candlelight. You know, fairly simple. You know, the nine lessons mm. and carols, yeah. that kind of thing. But there's some some of those carols, the words are so Powerful. wonderful. We were talking just before we hit record. Mm. Hark, the herald angels singing You know, written by written by the Wesleys. Mm. And, uh, and then used by George Whitfield. Um, mm. O Little Town of Bethlehem, the last verse of that particularly, mm. oh, I think used when I'm preaching evangelistically at Christmas. Mm. So I think there's some wonderful mm. Christmas music, and then some carols, actually, frankly, I'd never weep if I'd ever saw the back of again, which would be uh, "Where in The Manger is my... Oh. I hate that carol. I'm sorry for listening to this, folks. You. That's like going to get...
0: Yeah, they're going to get loose. Yeah. Oh, come on. In the oh. bleak midwinter's bias, I think. Why no? Wait a bleak. minute,
1: you've got the little Lord Jesus, no crying, he makes. You stick a baby in an animal yeah. trough with straw, and a cow goes moo in its face and doesn't cry. It's this is
0: Victorian England. It's you know, almost docetic. It almost yeah. turns
1: Jesus into this sort of not really human. Yeah, that's right. I think it it, I think it actually very. I think it's a genuine theological yeah, yeah. problem around making Christmas quite twee that mm. we've, even in the church, we have at times prettified, which yeah. is always nice. And yeah. I think as you actually read the Christmas story in the Gospels, it's not nice. It's. Um, there's, there's poverty, there's, yeah. there's, there's real pain and struggle and, you know, um, and you've got Herod hovering there in the background mm-hmm. with the, with mm-hmm. the murder of the infants. And so the Christmas story isn't designed to be, oh, it's lovely. It's mm. an amazing story of God yeah, stepping yeah, yeah. down, but right there, that's the fact that the world is broken mm. and God realized that Jesus discovers that at the moment he's, he's born. Yeah, yeah, Um, and so when we turn this into smiling donkeys and yeah, 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 that's all right. this other
0: kind of that's, stuff. That's, that's very true. It's, it's, so anyway, sorry, I've gone off a tangent from... <laughs> yeah, um, I was, was going to say, I could just, you know, that's quite a kind of a, a episode ending type flourish there. Oh, that's um, sure. right. You're just, supposed to really ask me what I do for my traditions. I was going to was gonna so ask you that very you question. Work. So what I, I should
1: ask you, what traditions do you have? Which Christmas carol would you remove from oh, the songbook? Oh, okay, work?
0: that's true. That's good. Why would would, yeah. You I would uh, say it in a Yeah. Um, but just having a sip of the apple juice. Um... <laughs> Very good vintage. Very good expensive apple juice, though, wasn't it? You know. <laughs> yeah, um, so we, yeah, I'd say we had... Growing up, it was interesting, because I had the experience of Christmas as a non-Christian. Okay, as a kind of pseudo-Catholic. Uh, mental went to a Catholic school, but, you know, we'd go to midnight mass. That was quite exciting. I didn't know anything about what was going on. You sort of got this general sense of reverence, but didn't really appreciate it in faith at all but I, did, but I did remember the excitement of just being up late, which I think yeah, Midnight Mass did have that kind of appeal, even though it was very boring and you didn't know what was going on, you were really hoping to get home as soon as you could um, then I, becoming a Christian, it was really interesting because I had this strange disconnect between all the exciting things about present opening and food and generally getting stuff and, and having nice experiences with faith, the faith element in, in kind of charismatic evangelical churches where we spend most of our year saying that we're not religious and then, and then Christmas comes along and we suddenly get a little bit religious because we sort of have to. We, so we don't just go, Christmas is just a day, it doesn't matter. Jesus is with you all the time and it's your personal relationship. And I always found it strange that all churches will observe Easter and Christmas as festival days, even if it doesn't work with their Well, no you say that.
1: When I was in Scotland, I was in Scotland for six years. Yeah, we attended a free church of Scotland church. Don Knox. Yep. Very, very sort of, you know, strictly Presbyterian. And what was interesting was our church had kind of liberalised slightly. So a friend of mine called David Robertson, who'd been the pastor there for 27 years, David had actually managed to bring in little innovations like they they would um, sing some carols. There was actually a Christmas tree. Mm. Um, it took them a long time to get a Christmas Day service, yeah. which is interesting, but, but it got there eventually. But it was you could still see there were still some people mm. like, mm. but other free churches in Scotland, nothing.
0: They didn't. Absolutely
1: nothing. If Christmas Day falls on a, on a Sunday, sure, you meet together,
0: but otherwise, yeah. nothing. Well, that, that's because of John, John Knox, of course, <coughs> John John Knox, of, exactly. who literally banned Christmas. And when you hear about that, I do understand <coughs> there's some kind of logic to it at the time, which would have been that there was a sense of it being, a, you know, a, a paganization of sort of something, and it was a way of, of Christians, therefore, indulging in stuff they shouldn't have been indulging in. So for him at the time, it was that like, we're going to cancel this because it's not even something we should be doing. Of course, there's a greater tradition, I would say, of annexing festivals which existed and, and Christianizing them, and so that's why we still have Easter and Christmas and, and observe them in the in the calendar, even though it's yeah. a, bit of a weird. Even Easter changes all the time, and of exactly and.
1: And more broadly, incidentally, of course, we, we talked in a previous episode where we, when the Vikings came up, and we talked about Celtic Christianity and things. One of the things I like about the Celtic Church was it took that even further, yeah. and they would often go around and Christianize pagan sites. So a lot yeah. of those early Celtic churches in the north northeast were built on the sites that the been a pagan sort of perhaps a yeah. spring where they'd been worshipping a deity. So the Celtic yeah. saints had gone right. Well, let's build a chapel there because mm. people have the tradition of coming here to worship. Yeah. So let's work. With, let's do an Act Seventeen. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, and don't exactly. Do so. And the funny thing with it is, is that you, so, so, though, like I said, I experienced the, the kind of difference of have been, not being a Christian, enjoying the kind of consumerism of probably latent Christianity in the background, but really it's just about stuff and the glitz and glamour. And then the Christian version of it, where you kind of, there's a weird disconnect of like you're going to still observe this religious festival, even though you, you <coughs> don't know quite how, how it fits anymore. <coughs> But then I've, every year since, kind of grown in the kind of wanting to go deeper in terms of why it's good to observe the traditions. And even even going back to the stuff that could just, doesn't even necessarily relate to Jesus, this sounds a bit weird, but you can embrace the stuff that's cultural around it and, and almost re Christianize it. So there's even stuff we do. Yes. So technically speaking, we, one of the traditions we have in our home, we watch the tale of Beatrix Potter's The Tale of Cluster, the right. amazing. Yes. kind of uh, TV version. Of Based, it, on re- it. Based on real events, yes. of course, of course, rats getting drunk and stuff like that was is a strange scene but it was a lovely, lovely story and it's not about Jesus and yet at the same time it, it connotes something of of the kind of Christmas spirit, Christmas season which really is inspired still mm. by kind of key elements of, of Christianity yeah, so well, it's, it's all yeah. linking back to kind of Victorian ideas of, of Christmas, and, you know, Dick, Dickens's. Uh, I suppose Christmas, Christmas Carol yeah. is similar for us, yeah,
1: in, in some ways. And until you've seen the Muppet Christmas Carol, you haven't really seen the the the, the, the real <laughs> version of that. Um, no, I think that's I think that's right. And I think I think the thing I find fascinating now is as we tease apart that question of who owns Christmas. It's tricky in one sense, isn't it, because. Because those sort of the traditional elements, there's the there's the Christian aspect, and there's the consumeristic piece, of yeah. kind of run together.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's how you it's how you tease those out. But one thing that I find fascinating, you know, you led with a comment Aaron, as you did the introduction that every year you seem to get these two stories in the media that clash. You get yeah, yeah, Christians yeah. getting very animated about yeah. you know Christmas being taken over, it's being commercialised. Uh, you know, lots of Christmas sermons would have you know, it's been structured around the real meaning of Christmas and Mm. I mean, I've done that as an evangelist Mm -hmm. but on the other hand you have secular voices you know, getting very nervous about Christmas. There's a story in the newspaper I came across uh, or on social media rather just uh, a few days ago that, you know, about how Brighton University, a very liberal university down in the south of England My hometown, Your hometown has, um, hasn't banned the word Christmas but literally put a memo or something out to its staff advising people to think very carefully About wishing each other happy Christmas because yeah. you know it might be not inclusive to people who are not yeah, yeah. for a Christian background. Which I I actually responded on Twitter and said that's nonsense. I mean, I've been working with and around Muslims twenty years. I have never had a Muslim say to me they're offended. I know mean, Muslims mm. who actually celebrate Christmas mm. in a Muslim kind of way. They wouldn't yeah, yeah. celebrate the incarnation, but to them, they still take Jesus yeah. as a significant figure, and they would still you know mm. feel, see no problem necessarily in you know mm. doing something for the season. Mm. Um, so i think there's that whole piece kicking off and then the other thing that actually tickled me slightly was i was on the um I was on a support call uh with uh with uh, with apple computer this this evening and uh so at the end of the, the the call it was interesting the 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 agent who'd helped me with with something that wished me seasons mm greetings mm-hmm. which is interesting that very insipid secular phrase and mm-hmm. i've decided that i was not quite quite clear on pushing back on that so yeah. i just <clears throat> without being rude i just said oh yeah and happy christmas to mm. to you too and there's no pushback i just got this lovely oh yeah thank you very much yeah. and then i was actually able for the back of that to say yeah. you know god bless and have a lovely day and I get got very positive would like to give your life to christ yeah i didn't go <laughs> quite that far on <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. a chat call yeah. but uh, it was I've noticed that too. Sometimes that you almost get the sense that people who are wishing you the season's greetings are doing so because HR has told them they have to. I <laughs> if know, you just yeah. with a twinkle, the key is the twinkle in the eye, yeah. not to get cross, just to go, "Oh, actually, happy Christmas." Yeah, yeah. That's um, right. but it is interesting that you know there are some, and it's only I know it's a minority. We need to be careful here, but there's a very small minority of secularists who are like that. Even the very idea of Christmas is, mm. you know, a problem Yeah. because I don't, I don't take that. I don't take that worry about including others. I think it's not genuine in the slightest. I think it's just an oh, attempt yeah. to leave her out. Of course um, Yeah, they're trying
0: to... That, simply I mean, because I've never
1: met anyone who's offended.
0: No. Well, I you know, you, uh, it's, just, it's just so frustrating, it's ludicrous <coughs> in many respects. Um, I, I remember being... I don't know if I shared this before, but being in... Um, I, sh- I shared it the other day on a um, a preaching session I was doing for a, um, a, le- a kind of leadership training course, and it was... Uh, I was in Leicester Square one Christmas with my older brother and he had the idea to go and do some evangelism, which at the time I wasn't overly excited about doing. I, I do love evangelism and enjoy doing it, but I think this, we were just doing something completely different and he had the idea to do it. So, okay, let's go and do it. Fine. Um, and we found some Muslims who were doing evangelism themselves. So that was a great, Fantastic. great, to go great and opportunity. Do. And I, what I always wondered was, what do Muslim evangelists expect to happen because they don't believe in the Holy Spirit, so when i'm doing street evangelism i've done it i'm not i'm kind of thinking i'm just trying to sow some seeds and God will Hope do, do something, and I'm just not. Really, I'm not necessarily thinking I'm going to convert people in the this because I'm not even going to get to talk to everyone. I might be doing some street preaching, I might be doing giving things out. It's just, it's very much, but there's a lot of meaning in it because you think I'm hoping another Christian in, in the is going to meet them or God's going to do something and encounter them in some other way. I was like, what is a Muslim expecting to happen here in Leicester Square on a Saturday night, like when everyone's out going for restaurants and things? Do they really expect someone to to become a Muslim in the street? Like, does that happen very often? for like a random westerner and they were trying to reach westerns because mm-hmm. because it, it's unlikely that the muslims they weren't trying to reach lapsed muslims and they were giving out tracts which were about the incarnation right which was fascinating so they're saying this is outrageous that god could become man what a what a heresy because god would never sully himself and become yes. human
1: fairly standard and, and, and their and position
0: I, and i was like and i'm looking at the decorations on the square and all the christmas present displays in the windows i was thinking you guys don't think, like, all these people are thinking about the Incarnation, do you? Like, God becoming man, very God, very man. It, it's an it, amazing thing. So, but they, they they found it. They didn't know how to disconnect the consumerist right. element of Christmas, the post-Christendom Christmas, from what it really yeah. is. So they, they're literally thinking, people, everyone around here who's Wandering around is thinking about the Incarnation. And therefore, if they give a tract out... People are going to be kind of, oh goodness, this is undoing this whole festival, but that's not the heart of it. So it kind of reminded me of the separation. I don't know if you read a little essay by C.S. Lewis, who. Um, Who's
1: quoted occasionally on this
0: podcast. Occasionally, we, yeah, we dabble in some C.S. Lewis. Um, on the difference between Xmas and Christmas. So he, you know how people, obviously, the Xmas greetings mm. comes in, and people kind of animate about that, saying, we've taken out the Christ literally by making it into an X. Um, and he said, it's actually appropriate to call something Xmas and something Christmas, because Xmas is this sense of the kind of rush and bustle. You're trying to get everything done, you're stressed, you're annoying your family, you're trying mm-hmm. to uh, control people. There's all this stress about families getting together, how they're going to do it. He said, that's Xmas, that's like the stuff that it revolves around it, that people do, it. they don't even realise why they do it, whereas Christmas actually is something completely different uh, to that. So you almost have these two things happening side by side at the same time, sometimes like overlapping.
1: I quite like that. I was, I was also thinking as well, actually, the other thing that struck me there, the evangelist in me now kicking in, is that, of course, you know, mathematics, X is the unknown quantity, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: right? And so you could play a piece game, but actually for many people it is X-mas
0: hmm. because
1: they don't know what that quantity is. That makes it something much more significant. Mm. Mm. Christians are the ones who do have yeah. Christ mass because we should put Christ at the centre. My one concern, and maybe we'll talk about this in a moment, is how as Christians we protect ourselves from the consumerism
0: right. things, because I think yeah, we yeah, are yeah. naive if yeah. we think,
1: oh yes, okay, yeah, we've got the sure. remaining of Christmas, but yeah. actually it's a challenging question I was trying to ask yourself. Somebody watching from outside somebody who looked like a fly on the wall watching your family christmas yeah. would they see something mm. different i hope they would mm. but you know they might simply see that you know for many of us as christians we get up we open our presents we go to yeah, church yeah. we eat a big meal we crash in front of the telly is mm. there actually something that marks mm. the marks that is as different is not an interesting mm. question and actually actually let's talk about that for a moment yeah and so one of the things we're trying to do with our family and i want to be very careful here and go I'm not setting ourselves up because we've got this right this is a work in progress but we became conscious this about three years ago that Christmas had become this giant sort of present fest because yeah. we've got young kids and when you've yeah. got young kids so you want to buy them stuff it's if you yeah. can it's fun so what we've landed now as a family I'm going to say work in progress is that our kids now know that uh, Christmas we don't buy the kind of plastic crap you know, we don't buy big Lego sets. Which you know, my son's into. What big kind of sort of you know? My my daughter's into Sylvanian
0: Yeah. Oh kind yeah, those kinds of kind of
1: families. But you now get rabbits that actually you get know, these little sort of plastic rabbits that actually think they're vampires. They're Transylvanian.
0: <laughs> there we go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the first that's a Christmas cracker. It is it
0: is crushing when you go into a toy shop and, and like one of your daughters is looking at like. A civilian. It's like, oh, how much is that? <laughs> oh, wow! It's we a, have to it. It's eBay. a bonnet for like eight ninety nine, just for. value? Well, a- 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 yeah, yeah we so we've
1: taught our kids now. We don't do that at Christmas. We do that at birthdays. So at birthdays, we do the big present, and you know, they can they can work up towards what they want there. What we do at Christmas, though, is as a family, we pick things that we want as a family. So we're a big board mm-hmm. game playing family. So right. this year, again, like last year, we're getting two or three new board games right. as a family. That we all spend lots of time playing, and what what we do say though is, of course, we let the grandparents, the grandparents still have fun. Yeah. So
0: yeah, the yeah. kids are going to
1: have lots to open, yeah, yeah, yeah but as a family, can we'll be going, that. you know,
0: things that we want to share. I, I do and have it to tones it down slightly. But I do, I do have to just. Interject with the listeners at this Do point. Do interject uh, that we played a board game today in my house. Oh, and yeah. Andy, that did not go Andy well. Andy jumped ship when he was losing. I think after baptising the board with a my Lord of the Rings risk board. Firstly, I
1: poured a glass of water over it. <laughs> so it was like the Ents breaching the uh, the <laughs> dam at Isengard. God, that? that's right. And um,
0: and then it all started going wrong from there. Really. And then it's just like
1: I, no, I struggle that game. <laughs> I have a I'm very black and white when it comes to board games. I either <laughs> love them or hate them. I have a love I have a hate hate relationship. With Lord of the Rings, I'll
0: try and reconvert you another time. I think we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll go at it again. But, but, that's anyway, like, but I know well, what you mean in terms of the board, But yeah, what about we, your
1: family and oh, um, yeah, yeah. about the, the commercialism things? I know this is something <coughs> you've thought about. Yeah. Too. How have you managed
0: that? Well, we like we, we we buy most of our stuff from charity shops, Great. which is nice because you can get you know your I'd like to say, honestly, I'd like to say that I'm really philanthropic and. It's a, it's the main motivation that we're giving to charity. Yeah. I would be lying. It's, it is it's, because it's, it's cheaper and it's you get more interesting things. It's like going to a market, and you find more interesting things that way, um, and, yeah. and stuff you can actually afford. So that's kind of helpful. Um, but it is a nice bonus. It's like an afterthought bonus that you know that you actually are giving to charity, so it is quite nice um, rather than just a kind of high street retailers. Okay. And and this, this, this stuff, you know, in terms of value, it just depreciates so quickly anyway. the stuff you usually buy. But I, I think, yeah, what, trying to recover Christmas from the Xmas version that I had inherited mm-hmm. to what to then that kind of thing where like I still have to celebrate Christmas as a kind of cultural person, even as I've become a Christian, but I don't know how to own it. As a Christian, genuinely worshipful thing, and mm. because it always felt like you'd have the church service. Some churches don't have church services, you said in Scotland, yeah. and you just get on with your the normal Christmas thing. It's almost it becomes a, a time where even Christians aren't acting like Christians exactly as you say. They they their day is virtually the same, other than maybe they might say a quick prayer at church. So we try to inculcate more of a sense of this is basically building up to it in Advent traditions anyway. because mm. you're talking about the Advent story, that helps a lot. Um, and then on the day itself, you're, yeah, you're, you're praying through it, thinking through it, and not, not in a very overly pious way where you're trying to make it very boring for the children, but just in a way where they genuinely understand that the overflow, the lavishness of what Christmas is, even in Christendom's sense of the amazing lights and the fact that people want to give loads of presents, there's something that you connect theologically to who God is. In his, you know, he loves us with a lavish love. His, his grace is lavish. You know, There's that, that book by Terry Virgo, God's Lavish Grace, the sense that God pours out and overflows. And so there's something of the exuberance of Christmas, which I think is really, really good. And the fact that people love it, this is probably why you say there's some very mean-hearted (coughs) secularists who want to shut it all down. But really, most people, even if they're not Christians, kind of go, but I really like this festival. And it isn't a coincidence that Jesus is the heart of this very giving, loving, exuberant, light-giving festival. Uh, Just one quote, wanted to jump in. I can jump in. A quote from G.K. Chesterton, who, of course, was very much a larger-than-life... In every (laughs) conceivable (laughs) way, and (laughs) he loved Christmas. Well, imagine he liked a Christmas dinner or (laughs) two. I think he celebrated Christmas every day, probably. I think you know. I wish (laughs) it could be Christmas every day. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Um, So this is a quote from him, from one of his many things he wrote on Christmas. He says, "The great majority of people will go on observing forms that cannot be explained, and the forms he just means you are the things we do at Christmas. Yes, right. Forms that cannot be explained. They will keep Christmas Day with Christmas gifts and Christmas benedictions. They will continue to do it." and someday suddenly wake up and discover why. So he was a big believer, actually, in yes. the goodness of Christendom and saying, actually, these things, these forms are here. We don't need to just take a jackhammer to it all and go, well, no one's really worshipping Jesus, so let's just, like, get rid of it all and start from in some very plain way, like a John Knox-style thing, maybe. Um, but actually he's saying, no, those forms are there, yeah. and there may, may be a time in someone's life where they go, do you know what, my life is completely meaningless or my life I don't. Uh, you know, it's, Christmas is a time where it's like a bright time I mean, I, of course I recognise it's a sad time for many because mm. traumatic things might have happened at Christmas or it still isn't good but there's
1: something about it that's light giving right. and, I think you know, you're right and I think that whole idea of the forms I and mean, we've talked a lot about that on, on Part of the Gaps haven't we I think there are a lot of these you know as somebody called them ghosts of transcendence in our mm. culture things mm. hanging around I mean the one the one I regret we don't have over here when I lived in Canada for a while I mean Thanksgiving was an amazing opportunity yes that's a good point because that whole raises yeah. the question well grateful to whom yeah um, I mean if it's, if it's merely grateful to the ancestors well why bother being grateful you know they're dead they don't care yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and Christmas has some of that and you're right it's, I find it fascinating but you know I mentioned the kind of mean hearted secularists but let's be honest and to be fair to our secular friends a, they are a minority and they actually get beaten up even by their own side you know mm. I think, quite often, I actually. Mean,
0: but they do they do win a bit every year, don't they?
1: Um, I
0: don't know. They gain ground,
1: I think. I'm not, actually, I'm not sure. I suspect, if you did a survey, just as many people at University of Brighton have wished each other Happy Christmas as before. Mm. That's why this story keeps doing the rounds, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it doesn't achieve anything. You get a few kind of weirdos, you know, maybe make a foot forward here, but then it slides...
0: Christmas I can, still wins, you think?
1: Well, not least because... <clears throat> Um, you know, we have a lot of, when you look at, we have a lot of large scale immigration in this country yeah. and a lot of people coming in are from countries where Christmas is celebrated. Yeah. You know, we, when we lived in Scotland, we had you know, Eastern European neighbors. They were not particularly Christian,
0: mm.
1: but on the other hand, they were quite Christian. Yeah. They, they, were, they, were, they had a lot of trappings, like you say. Mm. And if you turned around to them and gone, oh, we shouldn't you shouldn't be celebrating Christmas, they'd have gone, are you insane? Yeah. This is a big thing in our culture. But my point being is you also get the ones that, the other thing that happened on Twitter, Today, exciting things happen on Twitter. I was, you know, your house this afternoon, you go off to some football thing and the kids are watching a movie, so I was sitting there on social media as one does. And I came across um, Alice Roberts, have you come across Alice? She is the head of the, or the vice president, vice principal, vice president of the the, uh, British Humanist Society, or whatever they call Mm -hmm. themselves these days. And she tweeted, she loves Christmas carols, hmm. but she just found the whole, you know, God impregnating a virgin just ever so slightly odd.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Kind of thing. So there's very in- interesting <clears throat> incongruity in that tweet, although I can't, you know, I can't understand it. I find it weird, but I really love the the music. <laughs> and um, and so whether I'll get a response, I I thought about what to say, and I actually I just I I, I teased slightly, I tweeted, I said, actually it occurs to me as no odder than the idea that this random bunch of atoms and particles has value and Significance, which mm. I think from other tweets of yours, you would you would hold dear, right? right? Don't we? Maybe we all believe in some things with a mystery
0: <laughs>
1: behind right. them. But mm. what was I was just really intrigued that here's mm. somebody who presumably you know could turn around and walk away on the whole thing, just leave it all, throw it all out. Yeah. But is still drawn to that form. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's I think that's why I get excited about Christmas actually as a. Mm. As an evangelist, a lot yeah. of my colleagues who do university, you know, university carol services yeah. and things, time. Yeah. You know, there is a lot of fruit from those things. Yeah. Because even the younger generations, who you would think would be more secular,
0: mm.
1: it is so much easier to
0: get them mm. to come to things. Absolutely. At Gosh, Christmas, we, uh, when I was working with the Christian Union as an undergraduate years ago, we used to love doing big things for the Christmas carol yeah. service. And, yeah, you'd have a big speaker in, you'd. Um, uh, we couldn't afford Andy, Andy Banister at the time, of course. His fee was £4.50 astronomical. Four pound fifty for the for the fruit juice. Plus he required a, he required a green room, a, of, a full you know seven. makeup artists. No, yeah, but we uh, it was, always, we'd always make it for, for we had a season of for three years in a row. We made a Christmas video where we did lots of vox pops in um in town, um and sort of inter- in, you know, interviewing people about what they actually thought of of this exact question, kind of what you know what. What they thought of Christmas, what were their favourite traditions, and do they understand what Christmas is about? This kind of reason for the season stuff, but also trying to reclaim some of the sense of the beauty they recognise at Christmas time. Why? What is it about this festival that genuinely is? For considering that you know we've had the recent survey, the census data which we've discussed on the last episode. This isn't a Christian country in its. In, in actual substance, in terms of the people's belief in faith. We've got a very small percentage in this country, and then the West in general, who are actually practising Christians. But there's something about Christmas, which is the calendar event of the entire year. And there's something that builds up towards it. People recognise this is a time where you're supposed to be happy, even if they they almost have an obligation to be happy, so they have to plan to be happy. And there's no other time of year that has that kind of draw to the same extent. And like, again, just it just it's so interesting that we have this massive cultural event, and yet it's infused with Christianity all the way through. And as you say, some of those songs, the carols that people love to sing, they, they don't even know what half the theology means, but they recognise them from singing them as children. And then something about that, as Chesterton says, that can be recaptured. Well, I
1: love you mentioned earlier. I mean, I love that little moment in, in C.S. Lewis, and in, in, the, in the first of the Narnia books mm. in... in Writing order, oh, not, yeah. not chronological order. Yeah. So in Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe, there's that scene where where winter is beginning to... Mm. Th- where the Thor is beginning and the power of the White Witch is being broken. There's that scene where Father Christmas yeah. turns up. Yeah. And there's a little sort of party and then, of course, the White Witch comes in and, you know, goes completely off on one. But what's interesting is you look at that, because I love the Lewis's play with the metaphor there, that, you know, there, Christmas... Christmas is that sign of light... Mm. Breaking us, that little chink of light breaking, and it drives the white witch mm. nuts. Mm. But it's just the sign that her power is not infinite mm. and that the cracks are beginning. Mm. And I think the challenge for us who love and follow Christ is well how do we you know, how do we insert, as it were, a, a crowbar into that chink and mm. turn it slightly mm. to let a bit of
0: yeah.
1: light in? And mm. I think I think you do have more opportunity at Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think the opportunity to invite people to things at Christmas is easier. Much mm-hmm. there's much lower risk level, isn't there? If inviting oh, yeah. a friend or a colleague to say, you know, we invited our next door neighbour to the church carol mm-hmm. service and she was going to come until we got hit by you know um, horrible weather in Swindon and she wouldn't come out, bless her. But she'd mm-hmm. said yes. It was really easy. Um, so I think you know <coughs> asking someone to carol service is, is easier. You know, would staff comes up more easily, you know, people find themselves humming along to carols and, yeah. and whatnot, you can get away with more
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. At, at Christmas, yeah, and yeah. I think that's that's interesting, the other reason I think as well, I just think it's fun that Christmas is significant, I mean obviously more so in our culture than Easter in some ways, which has been covered totally in chocolate bunnies and, and uh, whatever, I often like to say to people as well, isn't it interesting that I think I think I would argue that the Christmas and the Incarnation is the biggest miracle in the Christian faith. Mm. By which I mean, resurrection is a dramatic, but you think what the Incarnation is? The God who created everything steps into space mm. and time and history. Mm. In fact, I forget who said this. I love this line. But I often use this when I preach. Just say it with me. Yeah. Just, say Just say it with Well, the, it was the it was the idea that that God couldn't make Himself bigger to impress us. Mm because he's infinite already. Mm. So what did he do at Christmas? He made himself smaller, yeah. except in space-time. Mm. So yeah, I mean, creation is pretty dramatic, but in one sense, that's the God who has all power demonstrating it. Resurrection is impressive. But that's the God who created life demonstrating his power over life. But the incarnation is mm. just... Mm. When you think what that actually means, that yeah. like the God who made the whole show has now stepped into it, it is mm. mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah. And but, so my favourite carol, actually, is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because mm. I love that, you know, man, you are God, God with us. Mm. And as somebody mm. said, with God with us, it's interesting, you can repeat that phrase and you put the emphasis on a different word, a yeah. different truth comes out. It's God mm. with mm. us. It's God with mm. us. And then, of course, it's God with us, whoever we are, he's mm. with us.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. That's really, really a wonderful kind of way of putting things together. And that, of course, that carol being a, actually an Advent carol, because you're kind of think you're kind of thinking ahead, which is why we say looking forward, right? one of the things, you know, with this is I mean obviously maybe this is coming out too late for people to do anything about it this year, but you could be thinking ahead next year from all the stuff we've been talking about in terms of what a great opportunity this is to talk about theology with yeah. people who aren't Christians. I, I've been in theological conversations, I mean even just today. Yeah. Um, I was at the football thing I was at, I was at my football team's Christmas Christmas meal, and I brought, I always bring Christmas tracts for them, they kind of know, they, there's always yeah, a kind no, it's of, ah, coming it So I'll come for the kind of bit where they've had a few drinks, but they haven't had so many that they can't actually Oh, come, over, come Christmas <laughs> tracts. <laughs> yeah, so the Christmas tracts uh, come at a certain time, um, and it's interesting, but you hear the stories, because they've had a couple of drinks, they'll open up a bit more, and you just, there's so many people in such, you know, difficult situations in their life, and uh I think actually recognising who this God is. They, so many people don't know who this God is. They don't know he's this powerful, but they also don't know he's this humble as well and this loving. Yes. That he would come and come with open arms to greet them would they, would they turn to him. And so, yes. as you say, the incarnation is an amazing... It shows the kind of technicolour yeah. of, of how of God is all of this and yes. more more than you could ever have imagined.
1: And it's the fact that it holds those things together, Aaron, because mm. the other thing... You and I were talking about yesterday, actually, I remember, is this whole other tangent, which we haven't got time to do justice to, I suspect. But this is also the time of the year when certain churches and denominations decide to go, okay, let's launch the big Christmas campaign to yeah. try and attract people. And I remember yesterday we were talking about the fact, maybe we'll put links to this in the show notes. I was struck by the fact that both the two examples I came across was the Church of England and the Methodist Church, <laughs> oh, both yeah. launched big video campaigns oh, yeah. to invite people to church. Now the Church of England one is is actually quite well done, apart from the fact that largely it's taken place in an empty church and it's, you know, tells the stories of a wee little girl who kind of grows up in the church. I think we've mentioned this before. <laughs> right, it's nicely done, it's a bit twee, but it's not it's not bad. The Methodist one is all around the idea of inclusion and everyone being welcome. And no matter what your background
0: I was expecting to see more Roth in the Methodism one, but, you
1: know. Yeah, I was expecting to see more theory. goth, actually, in yeah. the Methodist one. <laughs> right. um, you know, very, very into the kind of, because, you know, the way Methodism is going, it's, you know, you can, you can be anything you want, really, and it doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, but what was particularly interesting, I actually, something I liked about the Methodist one was it, it landed mm-hmm. on the idea of all the welcome. And there's something that, despite the fact they got the wokey stuff on the side, which wound me up, that's actually part of the Christmas message. I do think the the Emmanuel God with mm-hmm. us, the piece they miss is the God piece that actually is His story, mm-hmm. not our story. And yes, everyone is welcome, mm-hmm. but we're welcome to come to Him on His terms. Mm-hmm. And you know, then kneel as the shepherds did, and as the kings did before the Christ Child, and go, okay, and so you are Lord, and I am. I am I am not. And if you separate either of those things, you either make God distant and austere, as in some traditions, mm. or you end up forgetting that God is the all-powerful Christ of the universe and just like our mate, mm. something goes badly wrong. Mm. But Emmanuel, God with us, mm. holds those two things together mm. beautifully, mm. actually. And then we forget
0: either one of those at our peril. Mm. Absolutely. and I, Amen. And that's a, a beautiful way to round this up, really. So, um, you know, those of you who are listening here or even in the build up to Christmas or thinking maybe even ahead to next Christmas whenever you happen to be listening to this you might be some crazy person who listens to these kind of things in July who knows but um we hope that actually it's helpful to think about Christmas and all the traditions that we've been talking about, all the cultural wars that go around it and the politics that often surrounds Christmas. But actually getting back to what Andy's mentioned there, the fundamentals about what this really connotes and its, its kind of root mm-hmm. uh, and how we can get hold of that as worshipping Christians and also as evangelising Christians and, and getting this message out to people, reminding them at a time when they're more likely to be open to thinking about this and we're piercing, as you say, Andy piercing in, like, like the White Witch's spell is being kind of undone. People are being hoodwinked by Netflix and, and, and all these things that kind of distract them from meaning and wonder and light and beauty and glory in the fullest sense. And we've got a great opportunity to remind them of, of the God who mm. is with us. So, um, well, that's kind of all we have time for. It's all it the is. Moon Inn has time for. It I think, is. we must so, be the last uh, people here. Probably. I'm waiting for the bell to ring and, and last orders. <laughs> the really. Christmas bells to come and tell Christmas us to bells go. The ringing ringing. Uh, slide back up the hill. But... We hope
1: if you've been tracking with us this year as a regular listener, um, we hope that you've enjoyed uh, Part of the Gaps. We hope you found it uh, you know, thought-provoking and encouraging and funny and irritating, all in good measure. Hope that you have a wonderful Christmas, whatever you're doing, whoever you're spending it with. And uh, also hope it's an opportunity for you to talk about that faith that you have in Christ if you are a Christian with others. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in 2022. We've got big plans. Uh, 2023, even. <laughs> that always goes wrong with anything. We've got big plans for the Gaps. And we won't even see them anyway. But, you know. we, we won't even see them anyway. Yeah. Exactly. We won't even see them anyway. Maybe we'll do the Paul the Gaps uh, advent calendar next year. That'll we we could
0: invite we? them all to have a glass of apple juice with us. In, uh, we could. In the exactly. You can day. raise a glass for all of right. a, a Patron cup. subscribers, we'll do like a big apple juice day or something. That would be great. Anyway.
1: And a, an apple juice day. Yeah. But yeah, have a brilliant Christmas. And uh, thanks for tracking with us. Thanks for uh, thanks for following the show. And uh, do remember to share it with others. If you're looking for a gift for somebody this Christmas, last minute, simply print <laughs> out the link to of the Gaps on a card, put it into their their, their, their Christmas stocking. They Perfect. will they will thank you.
0: <laughs> the QR code, the spiritual gift. That's right. Yeah. You say you're not going to be commercial. You're just going to be. I'm going to give you a, a subscription to uh, <laughs> to, the, to a podcast. Free anyway. It's free anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's right.
1: Anyway, on that bombshell. <laughs> good night and happy Christmas. God bless. Thank you.